0: the touch of your lips dear but much more for the touch of your whips dear you can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango tonight on the show i am welcomed by my two favorite men who i'm not sleeping with andy and (laughs) philip from looking for the boys welcome Uh hi you guys
1: hi thanks for having us
0: back yeah yes yes i had to have you back after silent night deadly night was such a great episode I, i we've got such great feedback on that episode and we had so much fun i figured i'd have you back for popcorn
1: two solid choices i gotta say i'm really excited about this one
0: what is your background with popcorn
1: So I actually, uh, I chose to get into uh, horror films. Like I made this conscious decision when I was 12 or 13 that I was like, I'm done being scared of these movies. I'm just going to keep watching them. Uh, And I started with Friday the 13th and just kind of went to the video store, just burned through them all. But in between that, I did that thing that we all did if we grew up in the 80s, 90s of going to the horror section and looking at the covers. And this is actually one of, I think, the first two or three movies that I picked solely based on the cover alone. Because, I mean, come on, it's it's iconic.
0: It's like, iconic. Absolutely. Anybody who
1: at a horror section in the 80s or 90s knows this cover. I mean, 90s, sorry, not 80s, but knows this cover.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Andy, what's your background with it?
2: You know, this is one of the ones I saw uh, my mom, I believe, saw in the theater uh, wow. before I did. And it was one of the times I didn't go with her. I couldn't remember if it was... I'm old. Bear with me. I can't remember if it was just that I wasn't interested in it when it opened or if it wasn't really on my radar. But I remember my mom saw it. And then it was one of those ones where she was like, OK, you would like this. You should watch this. So we rented it. And yeah, I loved it. It was I think it was still a new release when I got it, when I first saw it on the videos uh, at the video store. And yeah, it I immediately was drawn to it because the movies within the movie. Yes. Are the types of movies that I watched with my mom a bunch Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. So it was also very much a like, you know, here's a slasher movie, which was what I was into. And then within the slasher movie are these tropes and conventions from other films that I had watched with my mom that were mostly from her generation. And uh, so it was just like an all around bonding uh, combo for us.
1: I will say it actually took me a really long time to realize that the movies in this were fake.
0: Oh. Like, after watching this,
1: I went to the, I was just like, well, my video store just doesn't carry
2: mosquito.
0: <laughs> or the stench. Why, why or the can't, sten- or the stench or well, the amazing well, the, electrified man. <laughs>
2: the stench, the thing about the stench is it's a Japanese movie and it wasn't put out by one of the major studios over there so that <laughs> it didn't really make a splash over here. You know, that the print that they showed of it in popcorn yeah. Is, uh, is the only print of that film with subtitles because it played a festival once and can't, I'm done. I'm done.
0: Yeah, I know. I was like, for like one brief second, I was like, oh shit, I did not do my research.
2: None of none of this is true. Uh, yeah, fake, <laughs> fake movie. Fake movies,
0: fake movies. Um, So I remember the teaser trailer that they used to put on TV, which was buy a bag, go home in a box and I remember thinking like oh that looks really good but I was way too young to see it because I think when this movie came out which was 1990 I was only 10 and so I hadn't I knew it was out but I didn't know anything about it and uh it was also a one and done kind of thing like it was
2: it was out and then it was gone um yeah it went very... straight to second run theaters, and I think, yes. in in several markets. So. Totally.
0: So I didn't really know much about it. And um then I rented it when it came out on video. And I was just like, This is fantastic. I mean, it was just this genre buffet. You know, you have all of these different actors and all these different people that you love and it, it's just fun and i watched it for the show on monday like i came home from work and i was like you know my mom's like well what are we watching tonight you know uh and i said well i have to watch something for the show and she's like oh and i said it's called popcorn and she's like oh she didn't have any like reaction to it or whatever so we watched it and she loved it Like she loved the (laughs) movies within the movies and she thought it was really interesting. And she cheered at the end. And I just, it was funny because I was like, I gotta say mom, I was not expecting this. I did not have this on my bingo card for you to enjoy popcorn, you know?
1: That's so funny because I actually, now I feel like kind of a jerk because I spent the weekend at my mom's and uh For unhappy reasons, we're having plumbing problems at my house. Uh, Oh,
0: God. Uh,
1: But uh. she asked me, I know it's such a nightmare.
0: Uh, I hear you. Uh, She asked
1: me on Friday what I was watching. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Popcorn. And she's like, oh, I want to watch it with you. Would I enjoy it? And I was like, no. (laughs) And so I didn't even give her the chance. And now I feel bad because maybe it would have been a surprise.
2: We're both here talking about, yeah, we bond with our moms. over popcorn, And Phillip's like get out of the, my room mom get out I'm watching a movie with my friends god, god. you wouldn't like it yeah, make maybe dinner privacy
0: oh lord <laughs> yeah yeah I, well I was surprised because she's 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 touch and go man like she doesn't like monster movies but I got her to watch American Werewolf in London she loved it right she doesn't necessarily like slasher
2: movies. She loves dress to kill. Um <laughs> These are but these are like cultural touchstones too for is your mom a baby boomer? Yes. Is she like Yes. Is she okay. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. American World in London directed by John Landis and has um just a lot has that uh credence in it. So there's like oh, a yeah. lot of baby boomer generation cultural yep. service going on there. Yep. Um dressed to kill she likes that that's de palma another like baby boomer cultural touchstone gotcha. and then popcorn has you know the monster movie experience stuff going on in it so right. it has that baby boomer culture uh thing there maybe maybe that's it maybe I don't your know. mom needs needs horror movies to have like a baby boomer um relevance to them
0: it's just very strange <laughs> like she she likes the exorcist like you know like yeah. she lo- loves the exorcist you know um yeah so uh but we watched the stepfather and she enjoyed it but she also thought it was like i was like oh that was really that was dark you know and i was like yes
2: mom it was dark <laughs> i fucking love the stepfather so much that's
0: coming up on father's day we're dropping that on father's day
2: awesome. hell yes can't wait the movie is so good and it has always deserved more credit than it gets oh
0: oh absolutely uh, I, yeah. I mean, 100%. And that's pretty much what the, the the gentleman and I who did the episode were just talking about. We're just like, it was just so, so underrated.
2: And, you know, yeah. preaching to just the choir. Just everything about it. Every <laughs> metric. The script, the score, yes. the performances. All of it. It's all it's all so complete. All of it.
0: All right. Let's play the name game. For this cast, we have Jill Sholin as Maggie slash Sarah. Speaking
2: of the stepfather. Her. Right,
0: Exactly. <laughs> whose credits include The Stepfather, Cutting Class, and When a Stranger Calls Back, different movie, um, as well as the Babes in Toyland uh, film that came out in the 80s with Keanu Reeves, which she ended up dating Keanu Reeves because of that, and she ended up dating Brad Pitt because of Cutting Class, so she's a very popular girl.
2: She went, not only did she date both Keanu Reeves and Brad Pitt, but the story is, She went from Keanu Reeves to Brad Pitt. Like it was Brad Pitt was her rebound for (laughs) Keanu Reeves. That's not something a lot of people can say. No,
0: (laughs) it is not something a lot of people can say. Uh, We have Tom Villard who plays Toby uh, and his credits include one crazy summer swimsuit, my girl, uh, the Trouble with Dick, which I haven't seen but now I feel like I need to uh <laughs> just because of my incredible love for Tom Villard. Well, and you've got to, so you got to get that
2: answer that question answered. What is The what Trouble, is the with, trouble Dick? with Dick? I've never I mean, heard a trouble. Come on, what isn't the trouble with Dick? Uh,
0: true that. <laughs> All right. Amen, brother. Uh D D Wallace sporting an amazing haircut in this film. That is Can a I- fabulous haircut she
1: is she looks amazing in this and her costumes her outfits are phenomenal but can I yes. tell you something my partner said when we were watching this that still <laughs> cracks me up he, he kept saying like she looks like somebody else and finally he put a like a pin on me he was like okay she looks like Edie McClurg had a baby with Olivia Newton-John <gasps>
2: like, wow. Actually, yes. That yes, is that's exactly what D Wallace looks like. That's I can see fantastic. that. This this movie has a lot of attractive people in it. Mm-hmm. D Wallace is the hottest person in this movie.
0: Oh, she's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and uh and we know her from Cujo and The Howling and millions of other films.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She has a very long career uh kelly joe minter uh plays it's cheryl, cheryl. perfect yeah. kelly joe minter plays cheryl we know her from summer school and for better or for worse nightmare on elm street 5 the dream child um and she's fabulous in this like i really feel like she is kind of underutilized because she's so she's good
1: criminally underutilized Thank i you. love her i love yeah. kelly joe minter absolutely
0: also love kelly
2: jo people under the stairs people under the
0: stairs yep there you go that was the other one i couldn't remember uh malcolm denaire our 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 fellow in the wheelchair um now his what's his character's name andy because you've got the whole cast pulled up here
2: oh golly <laughs> it's
0: bud i memorized it, is it bud you're right yeah it's <laughs> bud
2: cuz they call him that's, that's right that's yep.
0: fascinating bud yeah okay got it all right so <laughs> bud and i knew malcolm zaneer from flashdance he's actually the 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 heavy um the strip club owner's uh little minion who goes to beat up people in flashdance yes he's uh, okay. cecil right cecil just oh. beats people up doesn't have a line in that whole movie but that's just his whole thing is just beating people up randomly um and then he's also in heaven help us which is a movie i just recently saw for the first time uh as caesar the sad nerd guy and uh he's also one of the assholes in christine <laughs>
2: christine christine that's the okay yeah <laughs> He's on, he's on the back of the video cover. There Christine, you go. Yeah, I believe. yeah. That was the big, the big photo on the, on the back of that box.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he'd be the <laughs> one member of Christine's of Christine's pack. Of, he, he's like the one that I remember the most, like just being just, terrible just like there's so yeah. many yeah. there's a lot of guys in christine who are
2: just total assholes you know i i'd go on to argue that there isn't a single non-asshole male character in christine thank uh, you i think every man in that movie yeah sucks
0: actually arnie sucks
2: <laughs> yeah
0: everybody Oh, yeah. they all suck it's just you know. um we've got let's see yvette solar plays Joni and she kind of did some tv she did some movies and then she just sort of faded into the background so and then tony roberts from pretty much every woody allen movie that ever existed uh, as well as let's call it amityville 3d (laughs) yeah that's really my
2: favorite role of tony (laughs) alongside (laughs) alongside melanie griffith yeah. No, god damn it. Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan I can do too. I I
0: Right. Meg Ryan playing very and,
2: against type that.
0: And Lori Laughlin.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the that's thing. Right. Lori Laughlin is the lead. And yep. Meg Ryan is her best friend. And you can feel the movie like every time Meg Ryan is not on screen, you're like, Can we get Meg Ryan back? Right. <laughs> bring,
0: bring her back in that jean jacket. Where'd she go? You know um uh, anyway tony roberts plays mr davis the questionable drama teacher or film teacher so questionable um and uh
2: well he is explicitly engaged in a sexual relationship with one with of his, his students.
0: students yes yes for who's, good
2: grades
0: who's for, who, Yeah,
2: in exchange for grades
0: <laughs> in exchange for grades freddie simpson who plays tina is basically having sex with her film professor mr davis yeah. Um, and the only thing I really knew Freddie Simpson from was because she's in League of their Own. Yep, she's pretty yeah. prominently featured in League of their own. so uh, so the 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 bitchy character <laughs> Joy, Joy. Um, played Joy. by Karen Witter. uh I know Karen Witter from Out of the Dark, which is like one of my in my top oh, 10.
2: Oh, God, yeah, I forgot she was in that. Yep. wow okay
0: she's the she's the one who goes and walks her dog and that idiot in that clown outfit comes out and he's like let's play a game <laughs> and she's like okay <laughs> hold on let me oh there went my dog never mind you know because the, the dog looked at what like, took one look at this idiot in the clown mask and was like i'm fucking out of here what's wrong with you on your own like yeah <laughs> why yeah, are we doing was... this
2: smarter than uh, karen
0: uh but karen karen ended up on one life to live for like ever and then she married chuck Laurie as in producer creator producer chuck Lurie, yeah millionaire chuck Laurie. she never has to work again as far as i'm concerned yeah so. oh,
1: good for her you know
0: <laughs> like she's pretty much done and then of notables for the films within the films uh bruce glover that would be Christmas dad. dad. Yes. Wait,
1: really? I did not know yeah. that. He
0: plays the amazing Electrified Man. No.
1: Okay, I see that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I really see oh, that. Oh,
0: wild, right? <laughs> yes, I just watched a, a a you know part final chapter a couple days ago because I just love it. Final chapter and and I love new beginning even though it's like just sleaze. But yeah, I I watched final chapter and I was just like, oh. So
2: good. (laughs) Crispin Glover and Jill Schollen were also close friends when they were when they were young. When they were like teen actors. Yeah. Really?
0: Oh my. That's
2: and and Nicolas Cage was in their, their little group of friends as well.
0: Oh my god.
2: I remember. I remember that correctly. Wow. I can't
1: just—I can't imagine hanging out with Nicolas Cage, Crispin
2: Glover, and Jill Dolan. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then Jill Dolan's like, "I'm sorry, guys, I have to leave. My boyfriend Keanu is <laughs> waiting for me."
0: <laughs> and they're like, "Keanu, yeah,
2: okay, <laughs> that's never gonna
0: work out." Who's that guy? Yeah. Um. So this movie, this movie opens with a really wild dream sequence. Um. Yeah and and what's really cool is like when it opens it actually opens with the masks like the masks that are boiling in the water and i love that i think it's so cool it has this very the whole movie has a very dream-like quality to it but like the dream within a dream kind of thing the dream that she's having is um that there is someone menacing a little girl and she has no idea that that little girl spoiler alert guys by the way there will be spoilers <laughs> Uh, is actually her. <laughs> so.
2: Sarah. Why did you name your character Sarah? I don't know, Mom. <laughs> I don't
0: know because I was dreamed about it. She's like, "Oh, are the dreams starting again?" And that's that that plot line goes out the window. Um, and there, then there are a
2: lot of there's a lot of subplots and plots going on in this movie. That so much are very unnecessary. Also, can the, I just say
1: it's yeah go ahead it's such a boomer thing for d wallace to be like here's obviously some suppressed trauma trying to come through in your dreams we're not gonna talk about this we're not
0: not only are we not gonna talk about this but i think i should book some plane tickets and we should get away <laughs> for a while it's like yeah we should get away I, I clearly i'm a travel agent uh because i can get some tickets from work as she said um and you know we we should just we should just pick up and leave because it's never stopped us before. So clearly they have a pattern of just running away from their problems.
2: That's kind of Suzanne's thing, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a problem. I don't know. Set it on fire and then run away. And I'm going to shoot it and then leave. <laughs> shoot, burn, leave. Yeah. Leave. Gun, fire, car. Plane ticket, car. Yeah. Right. Always the plan. Always the plan with Suzanne suzanne has exactly. got a plan and that plan is shoot burn get the fuck out
0: shoot burn gtfo absolutely um so suzanne gets a very disturbing phone call asking her if she knows what the ninth circle of hell is reserved for by the way do you guys know what the ninth circle of hell is reserved for did you read dante's inferno
1: not i no, mean like 20 years not ago. recently <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i don't remember what the ninth circle is reserved the, the- for
0: it's basically traitors or anyone that. Um, I was gonna say, yeah,
2: it's it's, it's traders, gonna be.
0: But any anybody that um betrays a family,
2: uh, betray's, betrays a family yeah. member, yes. That seems like what they're hinting at in the in the phone call. It was either gonna be that, or let's face it, this is a uh, early '90s horror movie. Um, something misogynist. Uh, the ninth circle of hell. Ah, horse. I don't know. Yeah, slut. <laughs> no, women. Period. All of them.
0: Oh my god. And then okay, so I have this question for you. When you're first introduced to Mark, her boyfriend, first of all, you're kind of like, okay, first of all, he's very grabby, right? Like he just comes right in. He comes right in for her face. So when you guys first met Mark, her boyfriend, we think. Um, I'm not really sure if she if he really is. Her I, clear?
2: No, it seems like he it seems like they've had a conversation. At some point where they right. both have feelings for each other. But her thing is, look, I'm too busy with film school for a relationship. Also, uh, I'm not good with processing emotions or establishing boundaries. Uh, so, sorry, this is this is all what I'm reading into her. Uh, mm-hmm. But they probably had a conversation where she was like, look, I'm too busy with film school. I don't have time for this shit. And now he's just um, pestering her.
0: Yeah, he's just showing up randomly in places so that he and can touch her. kind of
2: entitled <laughs> things to her. Yeah, and being like... Uh, I'm not going to wait forever. I'm going to go it's on so, the record. so gross. I don't like Mark. Mark yeah. sucks. No, Mark's no. a bad person. But he's also really hot. He's also very hot. <laughs> and also the movie knows that he sucks yeah the because movie keeps punishing him it's <laughs> the shit out of him I love it yeah.
0: he does get a lot of he 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 really gets a lot of punishment in this film like he gets yeah. bitten by a dog and he falls down the stairs and he gets his hand stomped on and, you know <laughs> he gets punched in the face a lot in the face yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> he he gets punched a lot so, yeah. so we're, we're introduced to Mark and then we're introduced to the film class basically uh where bud and gentleman whose name escapes me but i know his real name is elliot and that is really disturbing because i don't know his name in the movie um i think it's leon leon Leon. yeah yes oh my god where leon and bud are having a conversation about how police academy 5 is is much more <laughs> much more cinematically advanced than anything that Ingmar Bergman does.
1: Which that's hilarious. I love that conversation. Great I
2: love it conversation. Too. It's better than this classroom scene in Scream 2, but it also doesn't like none of the like film school stuff reads really well for me in this no. movie because they're constantly like like I don't know if they're if that if those two guys are like supposed to be like trash auteurs or if they're supposed to be like, mm. you know, the film students that you went to school with that were like obsessed with Spielberg or that Nolan or Michael Bay or, yeah. or anybody. Yeah, exactly. Anybody else who's like right has a very bland palette. Um <laughs> and they get excited when he's like, You're gonna have some money to make your own experimental films. And it's like the only person in this class who wants to make an experimental film from what i can see is sarah right because she's doing this dream shit but even she is like i wonder if orson welles dreamt citizen kane and it's like that person would not give a shit about citizen kane right so i right. guess my my point is the film school stuff all reads weird to me
1: well the, the sorry my read on that is that like in uh, I forget what is the professor's name again uh Mr um, Robert, Mr Davis <clears throat> Davis. Mr. Davis you know he makes that comment about how their their department's very new and that's what oh. it feels like to me it feels like some people in this department don't even necessarily care or want to be there it's just like they're all very uh they're all very green including maybe even the professor like <laughs> like, like Mr Davis
0: to... is like the gym teacher and he's yeah. just like has
2: <laughs> to he has to do the the, the well, film class but davis was involved right he knew of lanyard gates's film cult back when it was first starting so he's like hip in that way i'd imagine he's sort of like maybe one of some of the experimental film guys from our college i more saw it as like so like in high
1: school we had a a um a media arts class but it was just taught by the arts teacher yeah and that's the read i got with mr davis is that he was teaching something else they're like we want to open a film department he's like i have a background i'll in do
0: watching it <laughs> <laughs> i too enjoy cinema right. your higher yes. <laughs> right. oh God. um so so we get that they're going to what they've decided to do is they're going to do this all night harathon, which is a fabulous idea. I love this Always. idea. And when I saw this when I was as a kid, I remember I wanted to grow up and do this. Like I wanted to grow up, run out of theater and fucking put a bunch of Corman shit in there or or, you know, even blood sucking freaks or just just throw a bunch of stuff and do like an all night harathon because it just seemed like such a an awesome idea and locally we we personally here in this area of Florida don't have any like old school locally owned theaters anymore they're all shut down it's all you know regal and amc and all that stuff so <laughs> do you guys have anything like that there I, I i
1: not ones that i know of that are regularly in use we have like small independent theaters but they're not they're not like the Dreamland, and mm. one of the last ones actually just sadly it was announced this month that it's uh, it closed for the pandemic,
0: and it's mm. being reopened
1: as like an event space, but they tore down the theater portion of it.
0: Oh, that makes me sad.
1: The Uptown theater, I know it makes me yeah. so. It was it was like it was classic like that. Actually, like it had the balcony. It was a Dreamland, you know. Mm.
2: Yeah, mm. I I don't think there's any movie palaces out here. There's still you know a few here and there across the country but i mean even the ones in la are you know there's like two of them i think or three it's that aren't
0: the new know, beverly yeah it's like there's well, the I, yeah, that's it
2: i wouldn't even call the new beverly like it's not even a movie palace this is in the same way that like the dreamland is but like the mm. vista in in la which is okay has been closed for for a while now but Tarantino took it over um and you know the Chinese obviously but that's been renovated and renovated and renovated but um yeah it's sad that there aren't more movie palaces there's a a, a guy i know is opening one up uh in in uh trinidad or raton new mexico somewhere on wow! The New Mexico, Colorado border. That it's like an old movie palace that he's like renovating and and reopening, which I think is awesome. But
0: that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's good to know that some people want to keep that kind of thing alive, you know. Because yeah, it would just be sad if it was just going to go away forever, you know.
2: Dream. Um,
0: so the Dreamland Theater is where they decide they're going to do their all night. Hardon and with the help of Ray Walston making a cameo. Apparently, Ray Walston, like just little little BTS, little behind the scenes, was like a crotchety old asshole on the movie.
1: Really? <laughs> like, I believe it.
0: <laughs> like he just he was there, paycheck. Oh, I get to go to Jamaica. Cool. I'll show up. I'll do my day. I'm out. You know um definitely not 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 apparently not a very not just in a bad mood <laughs> which and it comes I, across
1: so lovely
0: i know i know he really does like it's it, you know he brings all these like fun little like props with him and stuff and yeah makes it really awesome my my mom told me that in her time period william castle used to do shows for the Tingler and they would zap the seats like that was a yeah. thing.
2: Yeah so this is this is the thing with this movie is that it's these they're doing a William Castle deal which it's yes. funny because Joe Dante also did one uh, around this time maybe it was a year or two later uh matinee
0: matinee with
2: mm-hmm. uh, and joe Dante having worked with d wallace on the howling there's a really great shot in this in popcorn of of d wallace in the in the movie theater s- surrounded with darkness with just like a spot on her face mm. and it's just like in the the adult arcade in, in the howling in, in the howling and i it's got to be conscious but yes uh, yeah, William Castle. But the thing is, William Castle didn't actually make these kinds of like sci-fi, large scale, atomic monster movies. Right. He made very small, uh, contained, like gothic melodramas almost. Mm-hmm. They had either sci-fi or supernatural horror elements, but they were like like House on Haunted Hill, The Tingler, mm-hmm. um, Tingler. Uh, Mr. Sardonicus, uh, but they Mm. all had, there was always a gimmick. William Castle was the guy that came up with all these gimmicks. And so this movie really is kind of doing a a mashup of William Castle, uh, Ballyhoo kind of gimmicks with Roger Corman or AIP type movies. Uh, Because Castle didn't really make movies like Mosquito or (laughs) The Amazing Electrified Man or uh the stench the closest he got really was was probably the tingler which was mm. this sci-fi horror movie that if you haven't seen it holy shit you got to see it i Terrible. was really fortunate to have seen it in percepto at one point wow uh, at the tcm film festival one year they like rigged up a bunch of seats at the egyptian in la and, and it was really fun amazing Sorry, I'm a huge William Castle fan. and That nerd, is so uh, cool.
0: No, that's great. I'm glad that you, you know, I mean, I knew you guys knew who William
2: Castle was. I'm, you know,
0: but I didn't know that you had a background with William Castle. That
2: is fucking great. Yeah. Really great documentary about him called Spine Tingler. That's out mm-hmm. there. If you can, if you can uh, find it streaming or something, it's okay. terrific. All
1: right. But to kind of like tack onto the mashup element of it, I feel like it goes back to what we were saying about just like, you know, your mom enjoying this movie, that it was just sort of this mashup of not not necessarily filmmaking styles, but really the way that filmmakers and, and well, really movie theaters were trying to draw like our parents' generation in through the like, 50, 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. in terms of all these like gimmicks, the like drive-in boom, all of that, you know.
2: And the the A-plot of the film itself is also kind of a mashup of slasher stuff, but also it's got this Phantom of the Opera, mm. abominable Dr. fives sort of and, yes. and that ties in with a Corman legacy as well. So it's it's the slasher stuff, but also the like the yeah, the the gothic horror like charismatic cunning villain or something right. you know like there's a lot at work here it's mm-hmm. it's a lot going on it, some places probably too much
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> it yeah it's a bit of a dog's, dog's breakfast
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know what this movie would rather run than walk yeah
0: ever oh yeah oh yeah it's like yeah. if there was a line to be crossed it was it's gone it's they they went there and they you know uh, we've got this great I love this montage because I love montages anyway, and I miss them. So Mm -hmm. we've got this montage set to this reggae song and where they're all getting ready for the they're all getting ready for the marathon. And there's, you know, and we get to see that awesome shot clock, which, by the way, I want.
2: I want that so bad. Somebody (laughs) really should make that and sell it.
0: Like Etsy, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I need a shot clock in my life. It's so perfect. My mother loved it when it when when they showed it and when it was like screaming. She's like, "Oh, that's so great."
1: Also, I have had the reggae cover of Saturday Night at the movie stuck in my stuck head in my head all since week I now. Yes, <laughs> since I
0: watched it, I was like, "Well, yeah." Mm-hmm. So while they are digging through all of this cool stuff, they find this film reel called Possessor. Now, I have a question for you guys. Do you think that Possessor was actually in Dr. M's movie memorabilia shop stuff? Or did Toby plant it in there to start this whole catharsis?
1: I literally just had that revelation this watch through where I turned to my partner and I was like, Holy shit. He brought that. Toby is and Toby brought that like, exactly. but what a genius way to slip it in. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, look, this guy who collects memor- memorabilia happens to have this.
0: Right. It's like,
2: Oh, I mean, oh. It, right. Like it, ha- Toby had to have done it. We should watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it also would be kind of funny if it was just a random coincidence that that it- the memorabilia guy had it you know like if it was just right. already there and toby was like oh i had one of these two i was gonna put in here <laughs> but you have already got it so i don't need to now
0: he's like oh is this your snuff film oh that's my snuff film i'm sorry uh so they watch the movie and during the movie uh maggie basically just passes out in the theater and then they bring her to and she asks what was that movie which is basically like a sh- almost like a shot for shot of the dream that she's been having consistently yeah he's the exposition fairy he comes in he says i'm going to tell you exactly where all of this came from and he says you know that this was a film cult uh back in the day where they were dropping acid and taking weird avant-garde movies of themselves and that he bought into the rap i love that because it's such a baby boomer <laughs> thing
2: to say just <laughs> like i
0: bought into his rap for a while this crazy cat
2: you know <laughs> uh, yeah it's all well it's also it's like shades of manson which is another yes. baby boomer cultural touchstone Thank if you. you include manson in something baby boomers are gonna love it and this guy <laughs> is just it's just if manson went to the usc film school <laughs> yes <laughs> that's great that's perfect yes exactly so my dad has probably seen inglorious bastards or not sorry my dad has <laughs> probably seen once upon a time in hollywood, hollywood more than any other movie in his entire life that's how much baby boomers are just like oh manson i'll manson? just watch this all
0: right run don't walk um so 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 then so it's explained that he had shown a movie in the theater and didn't get a good reception so he shot all of this film called Possessor except for the very last frame and then played it live on stage and murdered his entire family which is fabulous by the way they i mean i never hear anything like that nowadays I mean, not in real life, because I wouldn't want that to happen.
2: But you know what I mean? Like in I movies, mean, you know. That is some M. Night Shyamalan Kanye West level of like narcissism right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of it's like like one bad movie and you murder your one, family. One bad review. Guess what's happening? <laughs> now I'm going to set
0: everybody on fire, motherfucker. <laughs> like... <laughs> so, uh, but now, so cat's out of the bag. Now we know what this is for and they decided, "Oh, well we're just going to put that back in the back in the vault where it belongs," you know. And meanwhile, D Wallace gets another phone call beckoning her to come to the Dreamland Theater. She shows up. And then here, okay, when we were talking, Andy was mentioning that there's a lot of uh, elements in this movie. Uh this is the one and only time we see a supernatural element at work that never ever ever comes back
2: by the way <laughs> well there's a there's an explanation right for like a brief moment there's one line of dialogue where d wallace explains that supernatural stuff she's doesn't she say something about being dosed on acid doesn't she say something about about toby giving them LSD? Am I making this up? I don't recall that.
0: So what she says, actually, now that's way later in the film, but that's okay because this is the way this podcast works anyway. So what she's actually saying is she's talking to Maggie slash Sarah and Sarah's, you know, she says I had to get you out of there. He was giving you acid. And what he means by he is Lanyard Gates was giving the child Uh, acid.
2: So so her hallucinate, so they're really just flashbacks i really think i think d wallace is just having a fucking acid flashback of possessors yeah or when she's okay. when she comes to them when she comes to the dreamland mm-hmm. and the the letters start this is what you're talking about right, right. the supernatural yes the, the letters are flying at her and then the, the title possessor appears on the marquee i think yeah she's just having an acid flashback that's all that
1: is that's so funny because when i was watching that i was like wow toby really put a lot of effort into <laughs> rigging this up but that doesn't make any sense
0: <laughs> <laughs> right i was like wow i was like this is really uh, okay i get to yeah um and then i love this shot though where she goes into the theater and yeah. she's just lit by the one spotlight and she's walking around. She hears this like weird low growl. She sees somebody run in the background. There's a chainsaw sound. There's a chainsaw somewhere. sound. I mean, it, it is wild. And then she gets pulled through that wall. It's like, yes.
2: This is- oh, the entire time she's got dialogue. She's exchanging with a severed head on the screen. Like, mm-hmm. that's great. <laughs> that's great.
0: Goodbye, Suzanne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic so then the next morning sarah sarah slash uh, maggie wakes up with a note from her mom by the way uh that says you know tonight's the night good luck love mom and
2: and my mom's like no way her mom would have said that did she write write that
0: that. note or did toby break in and write the note for
2: i think toby wrote it
0: yeah wow i think toby
2: wrote it I like that. It just doesn't seem like Suzanne's style. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah, Suzanne has never but said good luck.
2: Maggie to me. even has this look on her face when she reads it of like, right, like a note. This lady. Really? There's this person all my life. Where's that she been?
0: Doesn't make any sense. Um so Mark shows up with Karen Witter in her with her like crispy, like 90s blonde hair and her pink, like sort of romper jumpsuit y kind of situation. And she's fantastic. Oh, God, I love... Karen Witter is just yeah. so good.
2: <laughs> she's She is great. But that Hi. scene, that moment where they do that reveal with Mark and the other woman, you know, it's like, that's the point where you're like, all right, there's, there's too much here. You got to... This is the, this is, is the this is the straw that's going to break the camel's back on this. Like this is one element too many. But then they end up paying it off. I think. In a oh, lot big time, so, big time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It cause... does
2: work. It's it's just at the time you're like, holy shit! How many threads do I have to keep track of here?
0: Well, because you know, Maggie seems like the type of character that really doesn't need a man like really doesn't need a boyfriend in this situation and that could can... cut yeah and it, like you could cut that out and it would be fine especially with the yeah. i mean i feel like that's kind of why my only sort of like eh, thing about the ending is that they made they sort of turn mark into sort of a pseudo indiana jones-esque hero um yeah. who quote saves the day uh when it's ch- just you know obvious that he's an idiot you know um, oh no, he fucks up it's an accident <laughs> yeah it's a, yeah he doesn't really I mean exactly he like inadvertently <laughs> yeah. saves the day um so we get this really awesome movie within a movie that was shot by Alan Ormsby called um Mosquito and Mosquito is this awesome 1950s over the top americana apple pie mom the whole nine uh like science fictiony horror monster movie right and mm. it's fantastic nuclear it,
1: monster movie nuclear yeah.
0: yes of course very important <laughs> that was a thing right, right? Mm-hmm. um but just hilarious and the dialogue in it is so wow
2: chef's kiss this The scene where she asks if there's a Mrs. Bradley (laughs) and he says, yes, she lives in Kansas. And bakes apple pies. I call her mom. mom. Like that is so good. That's probably the best dialogue in the entire movie of Popcorn. (laughs)
1: So can I just point out the effect of Skeeter getting yeah. the blood drained out of his head? Oh, oh and also, the name face. That, that his name is Skeeter. Here's
2: what the thing is, is that's not believable because that would have not played in any theater in the 1950s. No. That shot would have been like, absolutely not. What but, are you, communists? But it's so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And the yeah, the, all of the movie within movies in this movie were filmed by Alan Ormsby who was Bob Clark's uh, producing, writing, directing partner, um, filmmaking partner until this movie, um, which is when they went their separate ways because Aladon got fired like three weeks into production or something. But yeah, they, uh, sorry, they're all great. They're all so good. They're all like, they're drive-in movies made by someone who knows how to make drive-in movies. Mm -hmm. They're all so good.
0: With actors that are in on the joke. Yeah. Like yeah. they get it. They know exactly what level of camp to portray. And that's what makes them awesome. It's like they're not so unbelievable that you hate them, but they're just enough B movie-ish acting, you know, <laughs> that you're like, Oh yeah, yeah this is great. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. There well, there it's sort of like the everything that's going on in this movie is kind of a nostalgia for an age that never existed thing. There's a lot of like uh mm-hmm. you know, hey, remember when and it's like, well, that's not really how it was. That's right. not really how these movies were. I mean, even Amazing Electrified Man, the the clips we have of that are <laughs> way better shot than any movie like that would have been in the right. in the 1950s and early 60s. Like right. it's it's way more artful but it's great. And I love, I love all of them and I wish they all existed as features.
0: hmm Yes. Yes, exactly. It's like all the movies within a movie that we saw, um, in, uh, Grindhouse, you know, you're like, oh, okay. So Ugh. Tony Roberts or sorry, <laughs> Mr. Davis rather gets impaled on the mosquito which i love i think it's a great death and when he and and the the killer even like moves the remote
2: around and i mean it's uh-huh. like whoa that's rough man damn so he's my de- only complaint about the mosquito stuff is they you we get so much that mosquito prop ends up killing like three people yeah like well the mosquito movie death and then <laughs> uh, Mr. Davis and right. then at the end. Yeah. But it's like it almost would have been better if, if there was like a if they treated it like a joke each time, like, oh, the mosquito's going to get somebody and then it doesn't. Right. And then at the very end, it's like a payoff when it, I'm going to stop giving notes on a movie that was made in 1990. Um, <laughs> I will say I love the like my antennas bigger than your antenna that, thing. That's, oh, yeah. So great.
0: Big old dick <laughs> yeah. measuring contest backstage. <laughs> love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Um so the heels get- in general. It was in general. Right, right. So then we get Attack of the Electrified Man, which stars Bruce Glover as Vernon. And it has this very um like almost shocker-esque type, you know, situation because it's this doctor that's injecting him with this stuff that's going to make it so that he can survive the electric chair and also have magical powers also in addition yeah why not Not just survive. i love i love the wink
1: that they share right before he gets electrocuted <laughs> so great <laughs> all of the jokes
2: too yes the inmates are shouting at him as he's walking <sighs> down death row to the chair like the those jokes are so well written they're oh so God. great
0: say hello to my mother when you get to heaven i ain't going to heaven but I'd sure be fine to say hello to your daddy. Love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Hey Perfect. Vernon,
2: whatever you do, don't sit out. not sit down.
0: Like it's so awesome. Yeah. My mother yeah, had a field great. day with those. Uh so Bud gets electrocuted, which I my mom got very upset about the scene where when she saw the the um the wheelchair like slam into the wall. Like she was like, no, not Bud. <laughs> I was like, well, mom, I mean, he's a killer and it's not
2: <laughs> it's just what he does. Yeah. You know.
0: What he does. Is but it didn't hurt anybody. She's like, like, Mr. Davis deserved it. I was like, well, yes, indeed, Mr. Davis did deserve it. It's... You know who didn't
2: mm-hmm. deserve it though? Is Tina and she's oh. already dead by this point.
0: Yes, because Tina goes to make out with Mr. Davis and the killer has already put on his face and yeah. she goes to kiss him. And his face comes off, and my mo- my mother's like, "Oh, that's disgusting!" And I was like, "No, no, it's a mask, mom. It's a mask." <laughs> Pulls off oh, his God, face, thanks. where we see yeah. our killer with his like crazy, like I yeah. can't even describe what the killer's face look like. It's there's a very Phantom of the Opera because he's wearing yeah. this, you know, the outfit that he wears and everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And considering that we're what, like, uh you know,
1: five years after the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I think they did such a good job of, like, differentiating that for as far as like a burn Thank victim you. killer. Yeah, yes, they did. There were a
2: lot of, there were a lot of movies in the late 80s, uh, early 90s that were kind of trying to do, they were trying to make a new Freddy, you know, there were a lot right. of like, a Nightmare on Elm Street, for lack of a better term, ripoffs, and this is kind of, it stands out from the rest of them because mm-hmm. it's doing, a, it's doing so much, so many other things, Thank but yeah, his face, it's, it's a little more, actually, it's a little more abominable Dr. Fives, yes. than it is Freddy Krueger, Thank you. but it's also kind of like, um, Richard Lynch in Bad Dreams, uh, mm. or, um, yeah, or even the Robert England Phantom of the Opera, which Jill Schoelen was also in.
0: Boom, full circle.
2: <laughs> but yeah, uh, he looks great. I love, I love the the makeup on him, oh, the contacts, and, his eyes, the, the yeah. contacts,
0: yeah. and then the like staples that go through yeah. parts of his face to hold. Basically, they're, they're holding on this like burnt yeah. up skin and everything. It's genius. It's really, really great. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna
2: say. Tina's death isn't like, you know, her killing is, it's not like as memorable as some of the others, you know, she's not mm-hmm. getting electrocuted, she's not getting blown up in the bathroom, she's not getting killed by a giant mosquito prop, but they, she does get this great, like, weekend at Bernie's fucking <laughs> puppet show. Oh, I love that. And that is so tremendous. Audience.
0: Audience. (laughs) The curing the mosquito. (laughs) So great. It's really great. Yeah. Tina needs to start eating better. She looks like shit. Oh, yeah. That's another reason (laughs)
2: that Mark can go fuck himself. Right? Shame. How dare you comment on Tina's appearance, Mark? She is beautiful. Even dead, she is gorgeous.
0: Mm. Oh, speaking of gorgeous. So Mark's date joy at this point has had a guy who, who basically looks like a low rent, uh, ogre from revenge of the nerds sit down next to her and put his arm around her. And she's just like, you were gone so long. (laughs) Like, in
1: all fairness to Joy, he was gone for almost the entirety of Mosquito. He so was gone for a really hour.
0: long time for the whole movie, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> for all of Mosquito and most of Electrified Man.
2: <laughs> and he gets up immediately. like Once Mosquito starts, he's mm. like five seconds in and he's like, this movie sucks. And Gotta he walks up. out and you're right. like, Ugh, Mark, you and Maggie have nothing in common. What are you doing?
0: And then, but he has this really, there's this great shot when the guy stands up and punches him in the face and his popcorn goes flying, it is beautiful. That's,
1: mm-hmm. oh, Mark, he really, you know what? I I feel like the shit he does is
2: balanced out by the shit that's done to him. Absolutely. In my, in my yeah, that's what you do. When you when you have a character like that, that you know is clearly unlikable, you, ha- you have to punish them. You have to abuse them. It's mm-hmm. the only way to get the audience to have any kind of even neutrality towards them, let towards alone sympathy.
0: Them. Yeah, absolutely. So then the electric, the electricity, because because Bud's been electrocuted, it has shorted out the entire theater. So they it makes the hot dog machine spin so the, fast that the hot right, dogs are the slowly. hot dogs are going crazy. So then Joni and Leon decide that they are going to get the band to come out. And now my question is. Wouldn't the band need some form of electricity to be able to
2: perform? Yeah, they seem to be having a. they have electric instruments, right? That's a' that's right? A, I didn't see an upright bass on that stage. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they have um their They're own generator.
0: generators? I don't know. I don't know. So they bring out the band. And everyone is very excited about. So at at some point, Maggie realizes that she is in fact, and, and she comes with this whole backstory. Maggie realizes that she is named Sarah, that Lanyard Gates was her dad, that her mother was murdered by her father, and that Suzanne is not her mother, but she is her aunt. And she just like comes right out with this whole thing. And... Explains to Toby that the reason that Lanyard is quote back from the dead, I guess, is uh so he could finish the film and kill his daughter, which sounds like a great idea. Yeah, why not? Oh. You know, I get it. Legacy Re- sequel. Revenge, you know.
1: Also, I okay, she puts a lot together in, <laughs> very in
2: quickly in a short period <laughs> of time. She was given acid as a child, right? She's more advanced neurologically. She's
0: got like a, she's got this crazy, like acid induced neurological recall that we don't, that we're not allowed to (laughs) comment on.
2: Psychedelics form interesting pathways in your brain that uh, stay there. One thing, I mean, and maybe
1: maybe this is the acid again, but she puts mm. together the whole disguise thing as well that Lanyard Gates is wearing disguises and then immediately doesn't apply it to any suspicious nope. thing happening around her.
2: It Absolutely doesn't. not. She can't trust any of these people. It just means, oh yeah, he's got disguises, but he's certainly not gonna be somebody else around here. <laughs>
0: right. And disguised. then Mark, and then Mark just consistently keeps popping up to sort of help her. And then at one point, Joy shows up and Kelly Cheryl decides to like basically like grab her by the (laughs) grab her by the arm and like throw her throw her and her you know low rent ogre out on their asses um but but not before Karen Witter has one of my favorite lines which is why don't you just shut your little mouth you little Slut. And she, she doubles <laughs> down on that little and that slut. She just like yeah. makes it last.
2: Yeah. You want to say little? You sure you want to use little twice here? Twice? Okay. Really? Okay. Why not?
0: Here you go. She calls her a punk ass you- blonde bitch and throws her out. That
1: That's the moment. I mean, I love Kelly Jo Mentor, but that's the moment where I was just like, okay, we needed way more of Cheryl
2: in this right? movie. We yeah. did. Yeah. I would
0: have, I would have liked to have more Cheryl and less
2: Joni. I think Hot take. Well, I don't know if I I don't know if everybody <laughs> read that. I fucking adore Joni in this movie. Uh I especially in the nurse's outfit. Just everything about oh. Joni is fantastic. I love that Joni's got a crush on Toby. So mm-hmm. much so. Um, it
1: saves
0: her life. It saves yeah. her life. Yes, it does. And, and she's great. Her she knows his address. So
2: yep. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And her yeah, which which pays off uh, mm-hmm. and gives Mark something to do that isn't everything else he's been do- doing. <laughs> he, here's my thing: is you just you get rid of Mark, yeah, take Mark out of this movie entirely, and you have so much more space for Joni, for Cheryl, for Bud, for Leon, like for Leon's
1: Tina.
2: for Tina. Yeah, I mean, they all get so that we're working with like an '80s slasher movie cast here of characters, but. Because between the cult stuff and the 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 dream stuff and the t wallace stuff and the film department struggling stuff <laughs> and the all of these other things that are going on the characters that are normally who we you know is what is the driving force of an 80s era slasher we just don't get enough of them but i don't know we also kind of it's impressive what the movie is able to do with them Mm. considering how little time they each get within the story you know and because you've also got three other movies being played that we have to keep coming back to so really all they get as a group is the montage and then these little asides here and there that I mean, it's honestly, it's impressive how, how much character development we, we get from each person, but I agree with you. Sorry. The point was right. Cheryl, we need more of her. <laughs> yes. Philip. I'm so sorry.
0: Cause it looked like Philip was going to have like a, like a point and he And then he stopped. I mean, so.
1: that, that was it. That,
0: Cheryl, more Cheryl, more you Cheryl. Give
1: Cheryl Marks role
0: yeah right? we have a
1: popcorn remake that's what i want yeah that's right. no no mark, no mark. Josh, <laughs> hashtag no mark, no
2: mark right <laughs> no mark no joy no low rent ogre get them all out of here you get more room for cheryl absolutely i agree with you yeah. on that uh then then
0: we're we're this is the weirdest death in the movie in my opinion because i still don't really understand it but leon goes to take a pee-pee. he goes yeah. to take a pee. And he turns around and realizes that there's somebody who's also very dehydrated, I might add, taking a pee-pee next to him that turns and pee-pees on him. And That's it looks great. exactly like him. So he's horrified, which any of us would be. And then <clears throat> this person proceeds to grab him and throw him into a bathroom stall. Okay. And then throw one of the o uh things in there, and also somewhat of an explosive.
2: At some point. yeah, I think I think the idea is that these particular pellets, when mixed with a certain thing, there's a chemical reaction. Okay, I think it's movie science, you know. Yeah, yeah, but also that
1: that uh stall is pretty airtight. For an American stall,
0: right? You know, there's no bottom oh, yeah. to it yeah. at all.
1: <laughs> we usually give a lot more space here for air. Yeah, right. things are different in Jamaica, I guess. I guess um, so. Side... Yeah, that that shot of uh of Leon looking at himself was on mm-hmm. the back cover of the VHS, mm-hmm. and that was one of my big draws for renting it. I was just like, oh, there's something really hot about this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh God, I love it um so mark ends up going to toby's apartment oh by the way spoiler alert toby is our killer um and we're gonna find out why but mark ends up going to toby's apartment and did you catch toby's last name by the way it's uh damato 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 yep so mark goes to toby's apartment which like i said this is another scene that needs to just be like Gone, you know um because because we already know at this point in yeah. the movie we already know why toby did what toby did we don't need to get this like you know dahmer esque apartment where yeah. he's got things laying around and there's you know of course there's the newspaper clipping with the big old like pair of scissors
2: <laughs> through it
1: and also the landlord who just happens to be in the middle of
2: evicting Toby. Yeah, the, well, I love the <laughs> yeah. landlord because I love the landlord because it gives us an upper another opportunity to do a literally everyone in Los Angeles is an actor. Yeah, joke. It's uh, with oh, the landlord being good. like, "I'm an actor. I was in some pictures." Uh, I the other thing that this scene gives us, and I don't look, I don't disagree that this scene could go, but it does give us the the revelation that the story about Lanyard Gates isn't entirely accurate, that there was like something else going on here because it says, you know, it gives us the like Toby D'Amato survives, um, Suzanne, you know, whatever. It like tells us that we've already been told all this, right? but it's like, oh no, Toby's not crazy. This is really what happened. But it also reveals something really stupid to me toby never changes his name <laughs> right like right. he didn't bother to cha- all of this like disguise shit and like creating a character stuff and like voice modulation and masks and everything and he never bothered to change his <laughs> name like good thing he did this in an age before google because he right. would not have like the, the story is so easy to disprove about lanyard gates um and a side note to that, I love that the the
1: landlord is like, "Oh, Gloria Gates, I remember her. I acted with her once. Yeah, because that's the only thing she's known for."
0: I know. It's like <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> not <think> she <laughs>
1: was, you know, murdered very publicly.
2: It's like I did a picture it's with like, her once. It's like <laughs> being like, ah, yeah, I was at an audition with the Black Dahlia once. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth Short. Yo, I'm an actor. You want to hire me? Why? <laughs> that's uh, what she was known for, right? Being an
0: actor. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, so at this point, Toby has kidnapped Maggie slash Sarah and put her in this like weird Iron Maiden-esque dress that's like locked so she can't get out of it and shot her up with what I think is roofies of some kind. Yeah, unclear. <clears throat> and also we get my
1: favorite reveal of this film, which is D. Wallace You're in a full body, body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like with gun pointing <laughs> with the gun pointing yeah frozen frozen in in uh in perpetuity um and then so mark decides to scale a building as you would mm-hmm. you know he he scales the building uh toby toby like emerges with his crazy like burn face and decides that he is going to play possessor uh, on stage and see what the audience thinks and um and it's it's interesting because it's like in an age of especially social media like if you think about it like <clears throat> if we saw something like this i think like all of the horror fans would just be like yeah killer you know because
2: how would we know Yeah, but, right but every, everybody's reaction to possessor to like just the film is bewildering right because like why would these kids that were that were led at one point to believe are into like avant-garde or experimental film? <laughs> why would they be like hating on this or talking shit about this movie in their film class? Like like you guys have seen in Chen Nandalu. It's kind of like that. It's you know, <laughs> you would like this. And then all of the fans, like you're telling me that all of these hundreds of people came out and wore costumes to a horror movie screening marathon, and they're gonna yell boo? At right. the possessor on the screen, no, they're gonna fucking love possessor. Mm. Don't give me mm. the shit that they hate possessor.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's a, it kind of it kind of takes a weird tonal turn there where you're like, really, you know, <laughs> but they do like Toby's costume and yeah. his whole his his you know theatrical presentation, and they yeah. love that someone's gonna get killed on stage. Yeah, honestly, I would if I was in that audience. I would
1: think it was all stage no matter how yeah. convincing that Maggie was yelling mm-hmm. for yeah. help, right? Like, yeah, because
2: it's like the sp- the spook shows, the midnight spook shows they used to do, and and, and Grand Guignol. It's like that kind of yes. a thing. You would definitely you. think, oh, it's all part of the show. This is right. all, it's all theatrics.
0: Grand Guignol. That was exactly what I thought too when I saw it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. It's like um, like Wizard of Gore, except yeah not real yeah yeah dear god right so speaking of crispin glover
2: um speaking of crispin glover yeah exactly
0: all full circle you know so uh so the movie ends when mark decides to go indiana jones uh down the (laughs) he zip lines down and inadvertently triggers the mosquito and the mosquito kills toby or or impales Toby on the mosquito, whatever that is, antenna, the proboscis.
2: Oh, yeah, the prob- the proboscis. Yeah. proboscis. Yeah. Okay.
0: Wow. I learned that from
2: the
1: doctor in the movie <laughs> Mosquito.
0: Oh, oh, that's
1: right,
0: <laughs> Doctor Dr.
2: Latimer. Yes, Doctor yes. Latimer. She kind of looks like Kathleen Turner or Kathy Moriarty a little bit, but it's neither of them.
0: Yep. Yep. So, um, and then our movie ends, and unfortunately, like. He, uh, Mark's like, oh, you know, like let's make our next movie a romantic comedy, and you're just like, ugh,
2: <laughs> right?
0: No, <Yeah>. Mark.
2: <laughs> no, this is this is. I give it two months.
1: Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, Maggie's for sure making this into a movie. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. One hundred percent. She's what? like Gail Weather saying this, <laughs> like first thing.
0: Oh Come my on. god. <laughs> All right. Should we get into some behind the scenes? Yes. yes. You've got some awesome behind the scenes. So Jill Sholin replaced Amy O'Neill. Originally Amy O'Neill was who was cast in this movie for about three weeks before they cut her. Cause they just didn't, it was more like a chemistry read. They were like, eh, this isn't working out. She didn't do anything bad. No one hated her. Everybody got along, but <clears throat> they just didn't see her in that role. And uh, Amy O'Neill, I know from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids.
2: Honey, I Shrunk the Kids.
0: And nothing else. So. Yeah.
2: yeah, she kind of left, right? Like after yeah. this, she I think she kind of just quit acting. And that, then, was uh, no. that
0: was it. That uh, was it. Original director was Alan Ormsby. Um, and then he got fired and they replaced him with Mark Harrier, who was Billy in Porky's. And this is the only movie he directed, right? Yes, it is. Yes, yep. it is. He's he's mainly known as an actor, and he went on to do Bosch, and he went on to do a bunch of other stuff, but like as an actor, he has never directed again.
1: What a what a <clears throat> random film credit to have is your only directing credit. Yeah. And
0: I love this movie. So when I found out that Mark Harrier was the director, I was just like, wait what you know and I didn't know that Bob Clark had his fingerprints on it or Alan Wormsby had his fingerprints on it or anything like that that there was this huge Canadian yeah. combination you know what I mean
2: yeah mm. Canada, Canada by way of Florida by way of Jamaica by way of Jamaica, by Jamaica. Way of... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is the other thing of- this this movie is not filmed in California, though, quote, it takes place in a place like California. It is indeed shot in Kingston, Jamaica, because at the time, the Jamaican government wanted Jamaica to be a destination place for people to film movies. They wanted to have an actual, like, film presence, and it didn't really work out so well. Um... This is one of the only movies I know of that was filmed in Jamaica during that time period. Um, Alan, you were right. Alan Ornsby did shoot all of the films within the films, which is why they have a very specific look to them, a very great look to them, by the way. yeah, oh yeah. um, uh, so Lanyard Gates was actually portrayed by Matt Falls, who did all of the special effects for the movie.
1: And who is also very hot.
0: He's so hot. Oh my god. I would
1: totally fall into that film cult. I would. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they showed him in the behind the scenes on the Blu-ray. And I'm just like, still, still got it, bro. Still got it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very, very nice. Dee Wallace was actually a new mom when she did the movie. So she had to like keep taking breaks to do breastfeeding and pump her milk. And she was 40. When she had her uh, her child, that's great. Um. Oh, so the Dreamland Theater was it was actually an abandoned theater in Jamaica, and um, it it became very obvious that like homeless people had taken residence in there and used it to go to the bathroom, and etc. It was basically what they re- the cast referred to it as a cesspool. Oh no. It was very stinky and gross, and they were worried about sitting down in those chairs in the theater oh, because they were wor- they were worried about getting something. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. so so my uh and the last thing I had was actually um about Tom Tom Villard. So yeah, I was a huge fan of Tom Villard because of one crazy summer. That's a movie that I grew up watching as a kid. And I had seen him in this movie called Swimsuit, which was on Lifetime all the time. They always showed it where he like, he played like the love interest of Catherine Oxenberg, you know, uh, which didn't really chart, but whatever. Um, so I knew who, who Tom Villard was and I'd never seen We Got It Made. I remember the sitcom. I just had never seen like an episode of it, but I knew that he was a sitcom star also. And I first like became aware of AIDS when Tom Villard went on entertainment tonight and he said, and this was in 1994. So I was, you know, late to the party on this. I was 14. He went on there and said, I am a gay man. I am an actor. I am living with AIDS. I need help. And I remember thinking like, Oh my God, what is the, you know, what is that? And how can we help? And, but that's Tom Villard. And one of the things that he did on that episode that was really huge was that he went out with no makeup on. Like he had KS oh oh. lesions on his face and he went out completely like, you know. Because he must have
1: been pretty late stage at that point. He died very soon after that. Very right? soon after. Yes.
0: Yes, he died yes. a few weeks short shy of his 41st birthday. So, oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. But he was actually really good friends with the guy who played Mark. Like, they were really, really close. Um, Eric Rydell. Eric Rydell, yes. And everyone... Uh, referred to Tom Villard as a lovely man, a gentleman, a gentleman in general, but like just a really great person to work with and to work beside. Um, during the filming of Popcorn, he went to Mark Harrier, the director, and said, There's something I need to tell you. And he said, Okay. And he said, I have AIDS. And so, I'm still going to do this movie, but you need to know that if I'm slower or if I need to take a break or that this is why. And he had never revealed that status to anyone in the film industry because he would be uninsurable. Yeah. Which is so sad. And even after that entertainment tonight um, interview, There were people that wouldn't take him for auditions because that's the reality of society in Mm -hmm. 1994 when it came to people who were out about that particular disease, even in the 90s, you know, this like Mm -hmm. this is such a sad, sad time. And, uh, but yeah, Mark Harrier was, yeah, he said, absolutely. I won't tell anybody because, you know, if it would have gotten out, then he wouldn't have been able to be insured to be the, to do the movie. So but um,
1: that's, that's so wild to think about watching him in this movie, knowing all of that that he was struggling at the time with his his physical mm-hmm. health because of um you know complications with HIV AIDS that he puts on such a lively performance and yes. you know something i talk about often on our podcast is just how much i love just the like villainous scenery chewing and god is mm. he good at that when is oh he
2: revealed Wonderful. he's incredible he's, there, there's a, there isn't a bad performance in this movie as far as i'm concerned but he is just like it's it's a it's it's a it's another level like Mm -hmm. his it's incredible he's incredible
0: really is such an amazing actor and it's such a loss Uh, absolutely such a loss um paul zaza everyone's favorite canadian composer did the score (laughs) for this movie and we know paul zaza from prom night
2: and whatever other tax shelter slash and every
0: other canadian tax shelter film that came out at that time yes it's basically if it was made in canada 80s slasher paul zaza and carl zitterer had their hands in it i think he did paul zaza i think he did curtains also
2: so Mm, that would make sense prom
0: night curtains you know all of
2: yeah and all of all of bob clark's stuff yeah yep Oh, wow. He did. uh, Oh, gosh. Promenade Mm Three, My Bloody Valentine. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. Amazing. All right. Final thoughts on popcorn. Like, if you were going to convince a new horror fan, or or I should say a young horror fan, to watch this movie, how would you do it?
1: Oh, man. Well, I mean, I think like, the way I've always seen this is as like the proto scream, the proto meta slasher. Mm. Like it has a lot in common with this, especially earlier scream films. And it did it before, obviously before scream, but also even before, you know, Wes Craven was dabbling in it really with new nightmare. Uh, and it's just, I don't know for me personally, you know, especially considering how terrifying that cover still is like, it's just a really creepy cover. Oh, it was yeah. the first time I realized that, Uh, horror films could also have a lot of fun and be really fun to watch. Nice. You know, that it's not just about fear. It's just, I don't know. It's just great characters, great cast, a lot of like fun plotting. It's, it's just a, a ride. It's a ride.
0: I like that. I like that very much. All right, Andy, give us the pitch.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's got a little bit of everything, you know, it's got, it's got several different eras of horror, that it's showcasing or highlighting or, or, or writing an ode to, you know, and it's, it kind of mashes it all together. Uh, And part of the fun is that there's too much going on in it. Like that's, (laughs) you don't know where it's going to go, you know, even at the, even at the end, even after the climax, you're still like, okay, what now though? Like it never it, it's always surprising you. It's always doing something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the cast is terrific. Mm. The and you'll never they don't make mo- Nobody makes stuff like this anymore.
0: Thank you. you. Know? You're yeah. not
2: gonna see another movie like Popcorn except Popcorn.
0: Mm. And yeah,
2: if you like Scream or you like things that have a meta commentary on horror or or what have you, then, then popcorn is a must. It's, it's required reading.
0: Nice. I like that. That's really, really good. All right. Where can people find you guys? We got to do shout outs. So I, 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 of course look good for the boys is one of the only podcasts I listen to now that I'm a podcaster, but look good for the boys is in my top five. It's the it's one of the only ones I listen to. So where can we find you guys? Thank you.
1: So, Look Good for the Boys is available on pretty much most podcast platforms. And as well, you can also find us on Instagram at Look Good for the Boys, as well as Twitter at Look Good Number Four Boys. And then you can also find Andy, separate from me.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have another show called Ghoul School, a horror history podcast. And another podcast called You Don't Even Like This Band on the Unpops Network. You guys are so
0: amazing. Well, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. All right. Stay manic, my lovelies.
2: What?